following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. Today's sermon is a continuation of a sermon series entitled Living in the Vine, based upon Jesus' teaching where he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. What that image tells us, as we have noted in the series, is that we need to be in connection with Christ in order to thrive in fullness of life. This relates to another major teaching of Jesus when he spoke about praying or acting in his name. You may have noted that I typically conclude my prayers in the name of Jesus. Is it important to do that? And what does it really mean to do anything in Jesus' name? We will be pursuing that theme this morning. Let's be for a moment in a spirit of prayer. May the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. There are many passages in the New Testament, a few of which we heard this morning, which talk about praying or doing something in Jesus' name. In that verse we heard from Colossians, the scripture says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. In multiple places, the scriptures show that there is power in Jesus' name. In the story we heard from the book of Acts, the apostle Peter said to a lame beggar, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. The man was healed. On another occasion, 70 followers of Jesus were sent out as missionaries in the name of Jesus, and they returned saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. There is spiritual authority in the name of Jesus. In Philippians 2, for example, in the passage we use for our call to worship, Paul says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Above all, we are encouraged that salvation, eternal life, are to be found in the name of Jesus. As Paul wrote in Romans, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Finally, we are urged to give thanks in the name of Jesus. As Paul said in his letter to the Ephesians, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father for everything at all times in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again and again, we are called to focus on the name of Jesus. Earlier in the service, we sang the hymn, There's Something About That Name. There does seem to be something special about the name of Jesus. Indeed, in our society, we treat the name of Jesus in a special sort of way. Parents generally do not name their child Jesus because it is felt that it is a holy name that should be reserved only for the Lord. On the other hand, in Hispanic cultures, parents sometimes do name their child Jesus and certainly feel that they are honoring the name by giving it to their child. 
Actually, at the time when Jesus was born in Judea, there was nothing particularly special about the name. Jesus was a common name in first century Judea. It was even the name of the criminal who at the time of the crucifixion was released instead of Jesus. The man's full name was Jesus Barabbas. There is a significance here. In being given a common name, Jesus of Nazareth was being identified with common people. Of course, we may also recognize that his name was not actually pronounced Jesus. In the language of the people of his day, his name was Yeshua. That name, Yeshua, got transliterated into the Greek language of the New Testament as Jesus, and got further transliterated into Germanic languages as Jesus, and then into English as Jesus. It is notable what the name means. Yeshua is a late Hebrew and Aramaic form of the Hebrew name Joshua. And in Hebrew, it literally means the Lord saves. So the name of Jesus, at one and the same time, indicates that he would identify with common people and that he would be the way by which people would find the salvation of God. So what does it mean for us to pray in the name of Jesus? In the passage we heard from the Gospel of John, Jesus said, if you ask for anything in my name, I will do it. Does that make the phrase in Jesus' name a kind of magical incantation? So that if you pray in Jesus' name, you will get whatever you want. Many years ago, I received a letter from a guy who called himself Reverend Ike. Inside the letter was a red string, which had been blessed by Reverend Ike himself. All I had to do, according to the letter, was to hang the string in a window, after the fashion of Rahab in the Old Testament, I guess, and I would get happiness, miracles, and good luck in all that I did. And it would only cost $18, which I needed to send to Reverend Ike to activate the thing. What a deal. I threw out the string. There is no place for magic in Christian faith. Praying in Jesus' name is not a magic lever or a way by which we can manipulate God to get whatever we want. It is quite the opposite. To pray or act in Jesus' name means that we align ourselves with Jesus so that our prayers and our actions will be in accordance with his will. It is similar to what Jesus was doing in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said to his heavenly Father, Thy will be done. It is notable that Jesus had very sharp words for those who would use his name in order to advance their own purposes. There are people today who would claim Jesus' name while proclaiming falsehoods and pursuing self-centered aims. But Jesus said, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many deeds of power in your name? 
Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. The name of Jesus is never to be used to give a holy sheen to one's own agenda. To genuinely pray or act in Jesus' name means that we join ourselves with God's agenda. In that sense, you can pray or act in Jesus' name without ever uttering the phrase, without actually speaking the name of Jesus. You are in Jesus' name when you are living in harmony with the spirit of Jesus. At the same time, there is value in the actual name of Jesus because whenever you call someone by name, you are making a connection with that person. And when you speak the name of a loved one who's not with you at the moment, you are calling that person to mind. So when we utter with faith the name of Jesus, we are focusing our hearts and our thoughts on Jesus so that we spiritually connect with Jesus, opening ourselves to his presence with us now. The Jesuit theologian George Maloney put it this way, the mere name is not important. It is the presence that flows when we say the name. When we pronounce with deep reverence and faith the sacred name of Jesus, we bring his presence and power into our real life. The name of Jesus, pronounced with love, means that he is present as Lord. Here then is the real power of praying and acting in Jesus' name. It means that we so direct ourselves toward Jesus that we are moved to think and act as we are inspired by Jesus. When we are genuinely acting in Jesus' name, it is difficult to engage in bad behavior. It's difficult to cuss somebody out in Jesus' name. It's difficult to cut in line in Jesus' name. How indeed might we live differently if we put Jesus' name on all of our actions? When our hearts and minds are truly lifted to Jesus, we are naturally moved to live in harmony with the spirit of Jesus. At the same time, to pray and act in the name of Jesus is more than a spiritual movement on our part. It means to open ourselves to all that Christ is able to do in and through us. That story we heard from Acts is a powerful illustration of this. Peter and John themselves had no healing power, but when they called upon the name of Jesus, the lame man was healed, raised up. He walked leaping, and the man's own expectations were massively exceeded. The man was begging. He was looking for a coin from the apostles. What he got was healing. The story illustrates a truth later expressed by Paul in his letter to the Ephesians. The Lord is able, by the power at work within us, to accomplish abundantly far more than we ask or imagine. On the, on the whole, that story in Acts is finally a wonderful illustration of the full meaning of Jesus' statement when he said, if you ask for anything in my name, I will do it. On the one hand, that statement encourages us to turn to Christ, with whatever needs we have, and to have confidence 
that Christ will answer with what is best for us. At the same time, the book of Acts is prompting us to understand Jesus' words, not only from our perspective when we are in need, but also from the perspective of Peter and John in the story. Peter and John prayed in Jesus' name that a lame man might be healed. As they focused on Jesus, they became focused on what Jesus might do for others through them. And this then brings us to the greatest outcome of praying and acting in Jesus' name. Empowered by Jesus, we are enabled to make a major impact for good on the world around us. We experience this in our church all the time as we are inspired and guided by Christ to make a real difference through our extensive mission work. In the video we heard from our bishop, we heard about churches that fulfilled their apportionments last year. Our apportionment is our share of the total mission budget of the entire church. The size of the apportionment is based on the size of the church. So small churches pay a small apportionment and churches like ours pay a large apportionment. Our total apportionments last year amounted to more than $90,000. Churches often struggle to pay their apportionments simply because many churches are financially struggling. And if you were listening to the figures the bishop was putting out that about a third of churches in our conference fell short in their apportionments last year. We here in Kent last year not only paid 100% of our apportionments, we went beyond paid an extra 10% in order to help make up for churches that were falling short so that the mission of our church can be sustained. But on top of our apportionment giving, by which we are supporting the basic worldwide mission work of the church, we also reach out additionally through many other mission avenues. We give extra to UMCOR, our United Methodist Committee on Relief, our Disaster Response Agency, as we were doing last Sunday. We send a youth mission team to Tennessee, and many of you have been buying symbolic bricks in recent days to uh, support that home repair ministry. Now, as I discussed earlier this morning, we are one of the leading churches in a group of congregations that have joined with Habitat for Humanity to build a home for a needy family in our area. We're moving forward on that project. We are doing all this in the name of Jesus. In essence, to pray and act in the name of Jesus is to connect ourselves to the vine. Then we are like the branch, which on its own would wither, but which in connection with the vine flourishes and in the end bears much fruit. There's one other important aspect to this image. As branches are connected to the vine, they are also connected to each other. The vine and branches imagery is a picture of our spiritual unity in Christ. Whenever we pray in Jesus' name, we are drawn through Jesus into connection with one another. It is notable that in a prayer shortly before the crucifixion, called the high priestly prayer, Jesus prayed for his followers, and he specifically prayed twice for emphasis that they may be one. 
on that theme. The Apostle Paul often talked in his letters about the importance of spiritual unity. As he said, make every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Unfortunately, historically, the church has often had struggles at precisely this point, which is why Paul had to write about it. And at the present moment, our United Methodist Church is looking a little more like the dividing Methodist Church. As you may have heard, there are churches around the country and in our own area that are disaffiliating from the United Methodist Church. The central issue is the question of how welcoming the church should be towards LGBTQ persons. Our church in Kent is fully welcoming and affirming towards everyone. Just read the welcome statement on our website and you get a sense of who we are. But some congregations don't want to be in a denomination that fully accepts LGBTQ persons and they are taking steps to disaffiliate. If you are interested in the history of this and what is happening right now, I did an extended presentation on the subject this past week for a meeting of our United Methodist Women. We recorded it, it's posted on our website, so you can watch it in the live streaming section there and I won't get into details this morning. What is important to keep in mind in all this is that within our human imperfections and our disagreements, there is a unifying aspect of what it means to authentically be in Jesus' name. When we are in Jesus' name, it means that we pray for and we seek that spiritual oneness to which Jesus is calling us so that we are joined with Christ, empowered together to live fully in Jesus' name. Let us pray. O oh Lord, inspire us in our thoughts, in our prayers, and in our actions to exalt your name, to indeed direct our lives so toward you that we may share in your spirit. We may grow as your people. We may reach out to all others with your compassion. We may be united together in your body, the church, we may experience your help and grace in times of challenge, and we may know deep within us the assurance of your eternal promises. Lead us, O Lord, as we would be branches connected to the vine. We thank you, Lord, that we are connected together through your church, that here in this fellowship we can grow together, we can bear fruit together in the world, and we can support one another. We do reach out to persons in times of particular need, we pray for those who are in times of illness, praying especially for Tim Smith, Hal Hall, Bill Head, Greg Curtin, praying for your healing power, O Lord, today. We give thanks for the gift of new life, and we praise you for the birth of Oliver Charles Frederick. We pray, Lord, your blessing upon this family and upon all families, that we may continue to grow together, O Lord, in that love that you pour out upon us. We thank you for the larger family of the church who lift up this morning, our fellow United Methodists of the Montrose Zion, United Methodist Church. And we thank you for how we can reach out into the world with one another in mission today. We thank you, God, for the many ways 
in which we can be a part of touching the lives of others. Lead us, O Lord, like Peter and John, to recognize the greatness, O Christ, of what you can do as we become a part of your work, as we become instruments of your care and your truth and your grace in our time. Guide us, O Lord, as we would follow you together in faith, as we indeed exalt your name, and as we join together in those ways that we can be a part of the outreach of your love into our world today. All this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org.